for us completeness and safety. And you know, in Israel today, you'll hear people say in the street, Mashalon Cha or Mashalon Ek, which literally means, how is your peace? You know, in street language, it's like, you know, how are you going? But they say, how is your peace? How is your peace? You know, if I said that to you this morning, how is your peace? How's it going on the inside? Is peace flowing? Is it that peace that only comes from God? John 14, 27 is Jesus speaking and he says, I leave you peace. It's my own peace that I give to you. And it's different than what the world, I give, I give you peace in a different way than the world does. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? Come on, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. But why? Because he gives us his own peace. It's not the world's peace. It says here that the world's peace is different. So the world has a, a, a type of peace, yeah? Have you experienced the world's peace before? Or have you seen people within the world experience that peace? It's kind of a bit shallow. And, and when anything kind of, um, anything traumatic or, um, you know, to a level of, of intensity comes, it's easily shaken. It's short-lived compared to God's peace. When you can do all the breathing exercises, all the meditation available to you, but nothing, nothing guards our hearts and our minds and totally steadies our soul like God's peace. Amen. You know, when my nan passed away earlier this year, we met with the funeral director, and he said to us, you know, there's such a big difference in the atmosphere and the feel of a, a Christian service compared to a non-Christian service. And I said, really? I said, what do you find is the, is the main difference? And he said, well, you know, a, a Christian service, he said that both the services, you know, there's a, there's a level of, of grief and sadness, you know, because of the loss. But he said, with the Christian service, there's this underlying peace and reassurance, assurance, whereas it's kind of, it's, it's noticeably missing in a non-Christian service. And so there's this underlying settledness in the hearts of people. And if you've lost a loved one, you can relate here, yeah? The loss is real and sometimes it's completely overwhelming, but the peace of God is the anchor. You know, just like, in Philippians 4 verse 7, it says, it surpasses this peace of God. It surpasses our natural understanding. And it goes straight to the heart. You know, that's why, that's why sometimes when, when we're going through trauma, a traumatic experience or something that, that the world would find would kind of shake you to the core, people can look at you and they can, they can see this steadiness. And it, it kind of baffles them. Have you have you experienced that before? It's kind of like they just they don't understand, they don't get it. And that's because that's what the word of God says. It's a peace that surpasses our understanding. We don't understand it. We don't understand the measure of this peace. We don't understand the depth of this peace and how when all the hell is breaking loose, somehow. Peace that comes straight to the heart and steady our soul. You know, I've, I've spoken about this before, but you know, when I, I worked in the marketplace, you know, people would say to me, Sarah, you're so calm. 
know, there's stuff that's been, and you, you, you're overseeing this and that, and, you know, there's this white sewer that's come in, and she's just chewing everyone up, and you just seem so calm. <laughs> and, you know, I'll share with some of them, and just say, look, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm naturally more of a calm person, but that, that steadiness, that anchor, it's actually not of me. It's because I'm connected to my father. And so it can be such a powerful testimony to others around you when you have that peace that surpasses understanding. You know, this topic of peace, it's such a relevant issue right now. You know, we're seeing record numbers of people dealing with debilitating mental, um, mental disorders like depression and, and anxiety. The numbers are crazy. Here's some statistics that I found. In any one year, around 2 million Australians will struggle with anxiety. That's not a small number. Suicide is responsible for one third of all deaths of young people aged 14 to 25. One third. Massive. Over 75% of mental health problems occur before the age of 25, with 50% beginning before the age of 14. Man, how crucial is ensuring that our kids are growing up knowing the Word of God, having that settledness in their soul that cannot be shaken because they're connected with their father. Almost half of the total population, 45.5%, will experience a mental disorder at some point in their lifetime. Big numbers. You know, and I know, Leilani, you work with young people. Right, they're, they're going through this kind of thing. You know, it's so prevalent and it's such a big issue right now in our nation. And that's why this word, the word of God, just being in relationship with Him and knowing Him intimately and having His presence at work, and it's such, it's, it's so relevant in our hearts and our lives. You know, the good news though. I've just given you those statistics, but there is good news, yeah? Amen. <laughs> the good news is that we know the answer. We have the answer. It's given to us by the precious gift of the Spirit of God. So come on, let's look into the word together this morning just to further understand God's peace. When we look at his peace, we see as I as I mentioned before that it's an anchor. God's peace is an anchor. And what does an anchor do? Aussie steady, yeah. Hopefully it keeps the boat from drifting and ending up somewhere dangerous, like on some rocks. And you know, the incredible thing about God's peace is that just like that boat in the unpredictable ocean, sometimes life is unpredictable, that you can be in the midst of that storm or the crazy hecticness of the whirlwind of life, but you can rely on God's peace within you to act as an anchor to stabilize you to keep you on track, to keep you out of danger. Without peace, things can spiral out of control. Yeah. You know, even as Christians, you can you can still be a Christian and not have the peace of God. Did you know that? Yes. Absolutely. It's yeah. a gift of the Spirit, but it still has to be outworked in your life. It has to be received. It has to be understood. It has to be worked out. Yeah. Like the gift of salvation, we receive the gift of salvation, we know we're in right standing with God, but we still have to do the work. 
We still have to transform our thinking, our mind. We still have to make sure that, that we're in alignment with the Word of God, that everything we do, we hold up to the Word of God. Every thought that comes, taking it captive. Amen. You know, it would be great, wouldn't it, if we just become a Christian and all of a sudden life is just perfect. <laughs> you know, the cruise ship analogy that Brad gives, and all of a sudden you've arrived, and it's just this one incredible life where you're just sailing through and, and it's celebrations every day. <laughs> but that's actually not the reality of life. You know, Isaiah 28, 16 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Never be stricken with panic. If, you, if you've had um, times in your life and if you struggle with panic attacks, which I know it's, it's prevalent, you know, just having that, um, that times of just being overwhelmed by what's going on in your world and your thoughts, that you go into that place of, of panic. This is a scripture for you. God says those who rely on him will never be stricken with panic. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I've laid up a stone in Zion, a tested stone. He's talking about Jesus here. Jesus is our cornerstone, our foundation. And so what does it mean to rely on God? Because that's the, that's the promise here, is when you rely on God, then you won't be stricken with panic. So what does that mean? But what does it mean to rely on someone that you know and love? Well, it means that you trust them, right? If I was going to rely on Brad to get up early tomorrow morning and to take the girls to the park so I can't sleep in, <laughs> then I would trust him with that, right? If I'm relying on him, I know that he's not going to let me down. I know in that moment that. <laughs> but it's, it's having that sense of, of trust, of faith, of hope in him. And so with God, when we put our trust in him, because sometimes those things that make us panic are actually quite close to our heart, aren't they? It's things that we, that we love or that we care about. And so sometimes relinquishing control of that is the hard part. But God says, you can trust me. I'm trustworthy. Look at my track record. You <laughs> <laughs> faith in me. And so that's the promise. When we rely on him, we will never be stricken with panic. You know, Joyce Myers, good old Joycey, she says this way. Joyce. Joyce. We don't. We're watching our actually. When we were in Queenstown, we flipped on the TV. It was early in the morning for the girls. And there she was, still doing her thing, still going strong. <laughs> She's um, got such wisdom, hasn't she? You know, she says, we don't have to work at trying to get rid of every stressful situation. We don't. We need to learn how to embrace peace. See, we're always trying to get rid of everything that bothers us. Imagine it in her American accent. See, we're always trying to get rid of everything But the Bible says that in the world there'll be tribulation, and that's why Jesus.
Jesus said, cheer up, I have overcome the world. Cheer up. You know, cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> cheer up, because he is overcome. You don't have to work hard at trying to get rid of every stressful situation. You know that they're going to come. They will. No matter what stage or experience of life that you're in, stress is going to come. You know, I even experience Zara sometimes dealing with stress. You know, when I tell her, you've got five minutes to find those shoes and put them on before you get in the car. Just <laughs> running around, she just evaporates into tears. <laughs> she doesn't like time restraints. But no matter what age or stage of life you're in, there's going to be stress. You don't have to get rid of it. We just need to learn how to better embrace God's peace in those moments. You know, the Bible says, God promises us, there'll be tribulation, there'll be trials, there'll be trouble. I'm with you. Come on, I've already won. You've got the victory in this. He's like, you've got this. You can do it. I'm with you. Yeah. You'll never escape the reality of this world. It's impossible to get rid of every stressful situation. Believe me, I tried. And that's what Jesus said. You'll have tribulation, but cheer up. Because the good news is he's overcome. You know, I believe that that's what's going to cause us to stand out and be an influence as this world gets darker. Is that we're going to have such an assurance and trust in him. Because we know the times and we know the seasons. We know what God said. But our trust is in him. He is overcome. We overcome by partnering with him. Let it anchor your soul in every season. Has anyone seen the story, the um, movie The Bridge of Spies with Tom, Tom Hanks? Really good movie. Um, Tom Hanks, if you haven't seen it, plays a lawyer and he's tasked with the um, unenviable, unenviable job of defending a Russian spy during the Cold War in the 50s. And you know, after it's confirmed that there's a possibility that that spy, Rudolf Abel, is facing the death sentence, Tom Hanks states, quite puzzled, you don't seem worried. He was quite a stable guy. And then Rudolph looks to Tom Hanks and replies, would it help? <laughs> would it actually help if I look worried? Luke 12, 25 says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Amen. That's right. Would it help? Does worrying actually help? <laughs> this really gets under bright skin sometimes. <laughs> because he's one of the very uh, expressive and passionate, and if something's going wrong in his world, he wants everyone to know in the household. <laughs> and, um, when I don't react, when I don't respond in the same passion that he wants to do, it really gets under his skin. <laughs> And I'm like, well, would it help, darling? She's probably going, yeah, actually, it would. <laughs> it would validate me. <laughs> but isn't it true that how many times in our world the things we worry about and stress over and are anxious over and have panic attacks over, how much of it actually comes to pass? Yes, a small percentage maybe or none, but... Does that actually help the situation, even if it does come to pass? How does all of that toxic energy and, and stress and, and snapping at each other and, and just this, this atmosphere of, of pressure and, and awful heaviness, how does that help the, the situation? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? 
Do you know, worry actually works the opposite way. It detracts hours yep. from our life. You know, so many of our sicknesses and diseases today are linked back to stress, to worry, to anxiety. God created us. He knows what's best for us. He sent his son Jesus to die for us, to let us have the great experience of living in his peace. The completeness, wholeness, soundness, safety, victory. Are we taking him up on that great gift? Are we walking in it? Not in absence of tribulation, but in relationship with him who has overcome. Peace anchors us. The second thing is peace protects. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, do not be anxious about anything, anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, as we were talking about earlier, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I love this scripture. Don't be anxious. For what? Don't be anxious anything God says. Not for one little thing. Not for one big thing. Not for one giant thing. Don't be anxious. But in every situation, with prayer, 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 petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends your understanding and guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word there, guard, you know, peace acts as a fortress or a soldier. I like to think of it as like this little um, stealth ninja, Holy Spirit ninja in my mind. <laughs> you know, he is ready, he's on guard, he is ready to kick out any type of anxiety or stress or thought that comes in. As long as I'm not anxious and I come into that fullness of God's peace, knowing that everything that I experience here in this world, he has already overcome. That when I partner with him and his peace, that I can do all things. Father, you walk with me through this trial, through this tribulation. You anchor my soul. You protect my mind. I'm not going to allow anxiety, despondency, or fear to creep in. The peace that comes from the Lord banishes worry. The peace of God is stronger than the worry and the fear of the flesh. It's stronger. But you know what? With fear and anxiety, though, they'll try and convince you that it's not. That's the weapon of fear, is that it, it, takes, it tries to convince you that those worries and those issues are bigger and that you actually don't have any control. And so then things start, you start to feel like you're out of control and then you start to feel anxious about it because you're out of control and then you start to worry about the outcome and... And so fear and anxiety will always try to convince you that they that the issue of a problem is bigger than God. And actually there's no control. You don't have control here. God doesn't have control here. This is the reality. This is the issue. And it's bigger than what you believe. This is what fear and anxiety will try and tell you. And then if you continue along that toxic cycle of thinking, thinking on them, worrying about them, getting anxious, the bigger those worries and issues get in our minds until it's totally overwhelming. Totally encompassing. And that's all you see. Have you ever been in the midst of an argument that actually started out as something really small? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never. <laughs> it actually started 
that's because what, that could have been um, settled without any fallout, right? If it had just been nipped in the bud, if you know that little offense had just been had just been addressed. <laughs> but sometimes we choose not to. We choose to bury it, or we choose to, to walk away with the silent treatment. Which is, and then when we do that, when it's not dealt with, then both parties start to stew on it, and they make up in their minds reason why the other's wrong. And how could they say that to me? <laughs> how could they do that to me? of your mind. Let it keep the rubbish out. Let the Holy Spirit guard your heart, guard your mind as you present those things to Him. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to talk a little bit later about you know, not burying things, but presenting them to God. So I think it's important too. And but before we go there, the next one is peace promotes unity. And it says in Colossians 3.15, that the peace of Christ rule our hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. That the peace of Christ rule your hearts, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. You are called to peace and be thankful. The message reads that the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing I love the message. <laughs> None of it going off and doing your own thing. And by the way, cultivate thankfulness. <laughs> it's great. I love the message version. But Ephesians 4 verse 3 is the same thing. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit out through the bond of peace. And so we see this uh, relationship between unity and peace. You can't really have one without the other. If we want to experience the manifest power of in the glory of God in this house, there has to be unity. There has to be. Amen. You know, God's word says unity commands a blessing. If we're not unified, there's no blessing being commanded here. You know, there's Ephesians tells us we must be walking in God's peace. Peace is like that glue that bonds us together, or I like to think of it as gap filler. It bridges the gap between you and me. You know, if there's a larger gap, then the peace just works a little harder. <laughs> you know, maybe your personality doesn't match up with my personality, or, you know, you think maybe I should be doing this or that, then that, that bond of peace just, just does its work a little more. But that's what keeps us together. It's powerful. It's so powerful. And you know that the offense, sorry, offense will counteract that peace in your life, and it will disrupt unity. Offense feeds unforgiveness. Offense deceives. Offense divides. <clears throat> we need to learn how to be unoffendable people. Not always easy. 
But sometimes we need to learn how to not sweat the small stuff. Let peace flow. <laughs> I got peace like a river. I got peace. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, let that river flow in your hearts. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff. Be unoffendable. Let's make that one of our, our goals as a church body. Let's be unoffendable. Let's have grace for one another. Because I can guarantee you that there will be an opportunity every day to be offended. There'll be an opportunity probably every Sunday for you to be offended. <laughs> Maybe I didn't look at you right. Maybe I didn't notice that you weren't feeling 100%. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there will be an opportunity for you to be offended. But come on, let's choose not to be. Amen. Let's choose to, to come together in unity of spirit, in that bond of peace. Because there's things that are more important. Yeah? There's things that are more important. Giving thought to the bigger picture in this house. You know, if our heart really is to, to have this place be a place where people can come in and be transformed by the power of God, to be impacted by His presence, to experience what it's like to connect with the Father's heart, to just have mountains melt like wax in His presence, for stuff just to drop off, for healings, for miracles, for them to be set free. Isn't that more important than that little offense? Yeah. Come on, that's the bigger picture. And it's not mine and God's responsibility to create that atmosphere in this house. It's part of our responsibility. But it's actually it's all of us. It's one body. It's your, it's, it's actually the, the transformation of power of God in this house is up to you individually. If you decide to take offense to the person next to you, you're stopping that flow. That's how powerful you are in this house. And if we're all taking offense, then the Spirit of God can't move. Can't, people can't be transformed and touched by the power of God. And so it's up to all of us as one church body. Psalm 34, 14 says, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Pursue peace. You know, God tells us right here to pursue peace. What does pursue mean? Chase after, run down, hunt down. <clears throat> That's the command. And so peace, yes, peace is a gift to us. But then God says, pursue it. It's not just going to land in your lap and then, oh, I just feel so sad when I get peaceful. <laughs> no, you've got to hunt it down, man. You've got to grab it. You've got to pursue yeah. it. It's, it takes consistent effort on our part. But it's met with a great reward. It's met with that reward of knowing that, that anchor of his peace, that protection of his peace, the unity that comes from, from having that peace. And so let's look at a few ways in which we can pursue his peace. The first way is to commit to training our minds to be set on the Lord. You know, we have this bent in us, don't we? It's our fallen nature. To let our minds be set on everything else but God, Yeah. <laughs> To sit on distraction, the way of the world, the cares of the world, offense, our own selfish desires. Oswald Chambers puts it this way. He's going to give it to you right between the eyes. <laughs> One of the things which we need to be cured of 
by the God of peace is the petulant struggle of doing things for ourselves. Has the God of peace brought you into a calm, or is there a clamor and a struggle still? Are you still hanging on to some obstinate conviction of your own? Still struggling with some particular line of things that you want? Is it all about your desires? Is it all about you? One of the things we need to be cured of by this God of peace is the perpetual struggle of doing things for ourselves. Isn't that true? Man, that's hard for me. <laughs> because sometimes I feel like it's up to me. I've got to do it. You know, I've got to be the responsible one. I've got to, I've got to get this done. You know, but God's teaching me. Come on, Sam, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. Come into the freedom and the peace that I have and you'll actually get so much more of those things done. And isn't it funny how when we align our will with his, his desires become our desires. And so all of a sudden, it's not about all the things that I go to get done, but it's actually about the desires of his heart working through me and using the giftings and the callings and the things in his place within me to outwork that. You know, scripture teaches us that to walk in perfect and constant peace, we need to train our minds to be stayed on the Lord. This is a really tough one for people I've found, especially for new, well, for everyone, but yeah, for new Christians who aren't used to setting their minds, staying their minds on the Lord. But it says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind is stayed on you because he commits himself to you leans on you and hope confidently, hopes confidently in you. Isaiah 26, 3. So what's it, what does stay mean? It means to remain, to reside, to linger. You know what Pastor, Pastor Brad's been teaching these last couple of weeks? Abiding, dwelling, being part of the vine, living in the vine. It's all connected. Because if you're abiding with Christ, if you're taking that time to really dwell and to abide and to live within him, then he actually promises all the fruits of the Spirit. And so it's not just peace, but it's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those good things that we need that <laughs> sometimes just elude us. But when we're dwelling and abiding in him, we're promised the fruit of the Spirit. A perfect peace, that those words in Isaiah, perfect peace, is expressed in Hebrew by shalom, shalom. So it's a Hebrew method of putting great emphasis on a word when it's, um, when it's uh, used twice in Scripture. And so it actually means that you will keep him in everything the word shalom implies. So health, happiness, well-being, peace. Those whose minds are stayed on you. He'll keep us in all those things if our minds are stayed on him. Let's also be real, because I'm all about being real as well. So it's not easy to keep our minds stayed continuously on him, right? It's tough. You know, there's there's so many distractions, there's so many things pulling our focus, our attention, our thoughts. You know, Dr. Caroline Leaf who's an incredible um, brain neuroscientist. She says it takes 63 days to establish new neural pathways in the brain. 
So for us to change a way of thinking takes 63 consistent days of thinking on the same thing, of bringing up that thought that's in contradiction to the word of God and, and bringing the word of God and it's 63 days. That's not fast. I mean, that's not a microwave thought-changing process, but that's the way our mind and our brain was created. Most things within the kingdom of God, it's like it takes time. It takes time, it takes consistency. And so remember that nagging woman with Jesus and the disciples? Remember that nagging woman who kept on going after them and shouting at them and saying, give me, give me what she wanted, I don't know what she was feeling with it, or who knows what the nagging woman wanted. <laughs> Whatever she wanted. She kept on following them day after day, and the disciples would say, shut up, be quiet, go away, leave us alone. <laughs> Okay, she wrote the other things. <laughs> and then Jesus just had enough of it. And he turned down and around and he said, Be healed. <laughs> and then she left. <laughs> so sometimes persistence pays off. Consistency pays off. I'm not giving you permission tonight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Jesus helped us. But it's the it's the it's the moral of the story, consistency, because she was persistent then, and it paid off. She got what she wanted from Jesus. And so for us, we need to be like that, like a dog with a bone. We need to be so persistent. If we want, if we want transformational change, long-lasting change, you've got to be, you've got to be all in. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be absolutely so focused and. Um, Sometimes it actually takes us getting to a place where it's like there's no other way. <laughs> because if there's another way, we'll try it because we don't want to go 63 days of consistent consistency. But it's like sometimes God takes to a place where there is no other way. You just gotta you gotta do it. You gotta do the work. <laughs> no, it's like being um, the more we practice of being aware of our thoughts and where they're leading us the better we can get at creating those positive neural pathways in our brain. You know, it's, I, I kind of thought about this. It's like when I'm in the grocery store with Zara, and she wants to be the big girl, and she wants to push the trolley. And so I'm at the fruit area, and I've got my, you know, my bag of apples, and I've got my bananas, and I've got three things in my arms, and I turn around, and the trolley's gone. <laughs> because Zara gets distracted. She goes and grabs a piece of fruit, or you know, she gets distracted by the food, or there's the kids that she's watching, or the toys, and so I have to keep on grabbing that trolley and bringing it back. That's the way it is, kind of sometimes with our thoughts, yeah? It's like you've got to keep on dragging that thing back because our mind is carnal, it needs to be taught. It's like a young puppy. It needs to be taught. And you start off with the basics. <laughs> then I know that well. You start off with the basics. It's like sit. And then it runs off. <laughs> okay. Sit and I'll give you a treat. <laughs> and so our mind is like that. It's karma. We've got to work it. You know, we've got to keep on dragging it back. Bringing it up against the word of God. Aligning it again and again and again and again and again. So how do we train our minds to be set on God? You know, I think we actually need to start by understanding the mind and the brain better. 
the more you understand it, the more you have the power to change it. You know, Sophia at the moment is studying psychology, and you know, she was sharing with me how it's just opened up so many things to her about the mind and the brain and, and connecting it with scripture and how it's just opened up all this um, this new kind of area that she, she didn't even know existed. It's like when you start to study in on it, when you start to learn and understand it more, then it actually gives you more control. And so, um, as I said before, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, she is a cognitive neuroscientist, which means she's really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and she helps to connect science and the scriptures in her teaching and her resources and so if this is something, well, I think it's all of us. We all need um, just to understand our brain, our mind better. And so I, I would um, advise you, get some of her resources. She's incredible. She's got a podcast. She's got um, programs. You can go on and it's like a, a five-week transformation of the thought life and, and, and mind and, and how the connections work in our brain and, and toxic thoughts and how if you're, you're leading from that place of toxic thoughts and, and how it actually creates brain damage in our brains. And there's this other place that we can um, we can work, we can move from it, and it's a place of healthy thoughts. And, and so it's, it's using um, the Word of God, but it's also using our brains to study and to learn more about, okay, if I want to get good at this, I need to know more, I need to understand more. If I want long-lasting transformation, you know, I was watching a, um, uh, a video of Stephen Furtick and Dr. Carolyn Leaf um, just recently. Have you seen that? It's so good, yeah. And so Stephen Furtick got her onto his, um, his kind of interview panel and, and just interviewed her about the brain and the mind and, and just some common misconceptions about Christianity. Because, you know, who's heard, who's heard someone say, well, you just have to just quote scripture. That's what you need to do. Just get the word of God and quote scripture. And yes, there's truth in that. But also, if you just try to kind of suppress those feelings and those thoughts and, and not actually know the root of where they're coming from and you just quote, just blindly quoting scripture, that's not going to bring long-lasting transformation in the world. <coughs> it's about understanding what, what does it mean to take captive every thought, to take it captive it doesn't mean just to suppress it. It actually means to take it, to shake it down, to like, okay, where did you come from? What's the what's the root of this? What what is the deeper meaning? You know, I'm, I'm having this thought right now, but there's a deeper there's a deeper connection. Where does it come from? And bring it before God. What's true to this, Lord? Father, help me to work it out, Lord. And bring that before. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it's connected to. Okay, Father, Lord, help me. God, I ask for healing in this. And let him, let him minister to you. And then quote scripture. Lord, this is not who I am. This is what the word says I am. Amen. And so, Father, I ask that you would replace this thought in my brain with the word of God of who you say I am. Come on, that's going to bring so much greater change than just blindly quoting scripture and not really digging down to the deeper stuff. It takes a little more effort. It takes a little more deep thinking sometimes and, and energy and thought, but the outcome of that, man, if it means that you're going to stop <coughs> nagging your husband or, <laughs> or nagging your wife, or if it means that 
you know, you're going to save your children hours of counselling later down the track. Man, do it. That's what God's been teaching me lately is that it's teaching me about legacy, is that everything I do day to day is storing up a legacy. It's not just, it's, it's not unrelated. The choices I make today are affecting the outcome of my legacy and my generational heritage yeah. and who my girls are growing up to be and, and what I'm leaving them with. It puts so much more emphasis on the choices you make today, yeah? It makes it put so much more emphasis on, actually, you know what? Rather than just running with that thought in my head and just entertaining it, Father, let me understand it. Let's deal with it, you and me. It's not bad if you you're not a non-Christian or you're not you know weak or um, it's sometimes I think we can make it a bit taboo mental health within the church circle. It's like if you struggle with mental health, then you can't you can really tell anyone because oh I'm not really reading the scriptures and I sh- you know oh, I don't know if I want to say that I have anxiety because if I do then what are people going to think of me? They're going to think that I'm not a good Christian. It's this taboo around it. Come let's break that. Amen. We all struggle with it. You know? 50% of us in our lifetime will have a mental and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be challenged by something. Let's take away the mystery behind it and let's just be able, be able to be transparent with one another. If you're struggling with a mental um, disorder, if, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with depression, if there's something that in your world that you know that um, that is hindering you, come just be open with people. Find some people that you actually that, that you feel comfortable with. You know, it's not it's not um, it's not wise just to go around and to tell everyone. But you know, those ones that you feel like you can open up to and that that they'll be able to speak words of wisdom into you, not just worldly philosophy, but wisdom from the Word of God. God. Let's take the taboo off it, because it can be quite debilitating, yeah? Mm -hmm. Even Jesus experienced anxiety. Do you know that? Look at the Garden of Gethsemane. Man, he was sweating drops of blood. If that's not, you know, heavy pressure like that, and he was a man, he was a human, and so there was this, there was this anxiousness of what he had to go through, this anxiety before the night before he knew what was up ahead of him. But he gives us the perfect way to walk through it, doesn't he? What did he do? He went to a place with the Father. He put everything else aside. He asked the disciples to pray for him, and they just zopped out. <laughs> but even when people let you down, God never will. He went to the Father. He poured out his heart before him. He dropped sweat drops of blood. And he said, Lord, if there's any way for this cup to be taken from me, if there's any other way, please, I don't want to do it. And the father didn't take the cup from him, but he down in the strength to do it, to do the work. 
And so in that place with God, we need to be able to pour out our hearts to him. We need to be able to be honest with him. God, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what it is, but sometimes this thing just comes over me and I just feel so anxious and I feel like I just could, I just want to run away from the world and, and just hide myself in the wardrobe and just be my be by myself. And, and Lord, I, I don't want to deal with that, but Father, help me. And then the Lord will say, come on, let me endow you with strength. Let me give you my peace. Let me take those burdens from you. Come on, cast your cares on me. I'm a good father. I love you. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Or I've heard it said, Where the mind goes, the man follows. You know, I reposted this quote the other day. Feelings are much like waves. We can't stop them from coming, but we can choose which one to serve. Yeah? Sometimes you can't stop those waves of emotion, that wave of, of anxiety. Sometimes you feel like you just can't stop it. But you can choose which thoughts to dwell on and which ones to shake down. Yeah? And sometimes you know, we actually have more control than what we think we do. Sometimes with our thought life we think, oh, we just uh, we let our thoughts run rampant and you can just I don't I just don't have control. They just come and and yeah, they can come, but what do you do? Do you entertain it? Do you dwell on it? Do you think, oh yeah, that's right, I always mess that up. Man, why do I always mess that up? I'm so bad at that. I need to get better at that. And, and do, you, do you entertain it and dwell on it? Or do you bring it to the Word of God and let the Word of God say whether it's true or not and then bring it into alignment with His Word and let Him bring the healing in and let let your thoughts become his. It says that we have the mind of Christ. And so every day we put on the mind of Christ. Amen. We put on the mind of Christ. It's a daily habit. It comes down to choosing to believe what God says, the truth, more than we believe our feelings, what other people say are our circumstances. So set your minds, keep them set on what's above the higher things. Colossians 3 verse 2. The second thing, I've only got three, so I'm almost there. The second thing is to pray. Prayer is key to peace. Absolutely. You can't have peace without prayer. Prayer is not twisting God's arm to give us what we want. Rather, it's aligning our will with his will, which is what I spoke about before. It's like when you spend more time with God, then your desires become his desires. And it's not about twisting his arm to give you what you want. You know, we were designed to walk and to talk with God. We see that in the beginning with Adam and Eve. They walked and they talked with God. And the only time they were separated from communion with him was when they sinned and they hid themselves like you can pray from God. They hid themselves. They disconnected themselves from him because they, they went to a place of shame and guilt because they had sinned. So for us, we need to to look at that, look at the way that God created us, to walk with him, to talk with him. It should be so normal and natural to us. You know, it's not about this great big religious, us saying, the Lord, by God, would you come and fix my these circumstances? Oh, you're so worried. But it's like, just be real. <laughs> just walk and talk with him like you would with a mate, a best friend. With God. 
this thing's really bugging me right now. <laughs> and I know that, you know, I just want just want to talk with you about, about this. And you know, how can how can we work this out? And Lord, interrupt me today, Father. Lord, I just want I want I don't want it all to be about my agenda and what I need to do, but just just walk and talk with him. Say, yeah, you know what, God, isn't that isn't that funny? You know, just have a joke with God. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> He's not holier than that. He is holier than us. <laughs> but we don't have to keep him at arm's length. We don't have to try and be something we're not. Just be yourself. He created you to be that way. Be unique with him. Walk with him. Talk with him. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, which we read before. With every situation, by prayer and petition, don't be anxious, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God, the peace of God, that can send all understanding about your heart and mind. I love how the message puts it again. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your words into prayer. And that's what we're singing about this morning. All I did was praise. All I did was worship. And then you came, God. So let praise and petition shape your prayers, letting God know your concerns. It's okay. You can let him know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. Oh, isn't that sweet when that happens? Isn't that sweet when that God's wholeness, his peace, everything coming together for good, comes and settles us down? It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. That's the message version. So good. Hezekiah, I'll just read to you from Isaiah 37, a story of Hezekiah. And um, it's chapters 14 to 20 and then 36 to 38. Um, so the king of Assyria is taunting Hezekiah, we find in this passage of scripture, and is trying to instill fear into the people and declaring how the king of Assyria, how he's destroyed countries and he's destroyed kingdoms, and that Hezekiah's God could not save him or his people. So here's Hezekiah, and um, the king of Assyria is starting to taunt him. He's starting to instill fear. He's starting to say, I'm coming to get you. You better watch out. Look what I've done. I've laid waste to all these kingdoms. You're next. Come on, isn't that what our fear is saying sometimes to us? Isn't it? Look at what I've done. Look at, look at, look at that person over there. You know, they, they believed in God, but look where they are now. Come, coming for you. The mouth, the words of the enemy. And so in chapter, in verse 14 of chapter 37, we read, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord. Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, and throne between the cherubim, you alone are God over the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words that Son of Cherub has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste to all those people in their lands. So he's not saying that it's not true. The words that were spoken were true. Sometimes there's true stuff in your world and in your life that will try to speak to you. And so he's saying here, Hezekiah saying it's true. He has laid waste to all those people. They've thrown their gods into the fire and they've destroyed them. But they were only... They were, they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. But now, Lord, our God, 
the only God. And so Hezekiah receives this threatening letter and it starts to, and it, the actual, um, the, what the letter wanted was to instill fear into him. It was like this fear tactic from the king of Assyria so that he would back down. But he brings up, what's the first thing he does? He takes that letter to the temple, he lays it out before God, and he prays. What did Jesus do in that moment that he was overcome? He laid it out before the Lord. Come on, there's a key here for us. In those moments where we feel overwhelmed, where we feel the truth of the situation, the reality of the situation is this, and we can't escape it, we bring it to God. We lay it before him. There's another story of King Asa in the Old Testament where he is surrounded on every side by the enemy. He goes to God and he says, Lord, we are overwhelmed. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Come on, there's a key in this. Sometimes we don't know what to do, but your eyes are going to be on God. Go to him in prayer. Lay everything out before him. And then in verse 36, then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. In one moment, one angel. Come on, when we don't see a way out, God's already got it sorted. We don't understand his ways, his thoughts. He sees the end from the beginning. That's like our responsibility is just to come lay it out before him and pray. With prayer and petition, bring your request to God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guide your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We cast our worries and fears on Him. And so, sorry, back to verse 36. When the people got up in the next morning, they were all dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and he stayed there. One day while he was questioning the temple of his god, Nisroch, his sons, Adramelech and Sherezah, killed him with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, succeeded him as king. Come on. That's what God does to our enemy. What he tries to threaten us with, God turns it back on his head. There is that turnaround anointing, that all working, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. We just got to love him. We just got to be with him. We just got to present our prayers and our petitions and our requests to him. And then he goes to work on our behalf. Come on, all it took was one angel, 185,000 dead. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you just like to be a fly on the wall? There was no wall, but just to be in that moment, seeing an angel absolutely annihilate the enemy camp. How amazing is our God? And so 1 Peter, <laughs> Peter verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 to 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he loves you. He loves you. God doesn't want to see you dealing with anxiety. He doesn't want to see you under the heaviness of depression. Come on, he loves you. He cares for you. And so he gives us a way out. Do you know when, when it says to cast? That word cast is not just go peacefully at God's feet. <laughs> cast is to throw. 
Come on, he's saying, get those things as far away from you as you possibly can. Cast them on me. Get them out of your head, out of your heart. Cast the anxieties on me because I love you. And then the ball of fuel now is in his court. So sometimes anxiety is connected to a problem. And so when you chuck that thing on him, God, you said, your word says, cast. I'm throwing this ball at you, Lord, and now it's in your court. And now I have the peace because I know that I've laid it down at your feet. Well, I haven't laid down, I've thrown it at you. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for catching it for me because you care for me. Thank you for, for taking care of it for me. Thank you that, that I know that I can't do anything in my own strength. But God, you can do it in a moment. You know, it brings to mind the story of Mary and Martha a little bit. Again, I know that we've all heard this a thousand times, but you know, Mary, um, Mary and Martha are together in, in the house, and and Martha's running around trying to get um, lunch prepared for the disciples and for Jesus and for all the people in their home, and and you know, she's she's sweeping the floor and she's preparing the dinner, the lunch, and and she's doing everything, and Martha is just sitting there gazing into Jesus' face, just sitting at his feet, just gazing at Jesus. And she gets so mad. <laughs> we do that sometimes. She gets so mad. Because I'm running around. I'm doing all this. God, what are you doing? It's like, there's only one thing needed. Only one thing. You're not doing that one thing right now. And you're running around trying to get things done in your own strength. You're being a bit of a laugher. You need to be a Mary. And so this is what's something that God has really, in the last season for Brad and I, he's reset us into the posture of Mary. Amen. Because sometimes we can take on the posture of Martha and we can run and run and run. And the word of God says you can run and not grow weary if, if, if you come away on me then I'll allow you to run in that very way. But when you're running and running and running and not waiting on God, not taking that moment to, to have that posture of Mary, man, you get exhausted. And then you get mad. <laughs> and you get frustrated. I'm like, God, why? If you call me to this, why is this happening? Why is it not working? Why do I feel like I'm banging my head up against a brick wall over and over again? And you don't even care. He's <laughs> like, Sarah, only one thing's needed. Just one. Come and gaze into my eyes. Come and be with me. Come and sit with me. Come and dwell in my presence. Do you need that reset this morning? That reset to the posture of Mary. And the last one here is walking in obedience. You know, when my girls disobey me or Brad, it doesn't promote peace in our household. I don't know about you. <laughs> Your parents here. There's disobedience, there's no peace. You know, disobedience is disciplined, not rewarded in our household. And so it's the same with us and God. I mean, just look at, at Jonah, for instance. Disobedience didn't work out too well for him, yeah? <laughs> God took him the long way around, through the belly of the whale. Yeah. 
Disobedience will either, let me save you a bit of time, disobedience will either take you completely off track or disobedience will take you the long route to your destination because along that route, God has to get something inside of you, outside of you first. He's got to change the uh, will within you to submit to him, to obey him before you get to your destination. And so let's just do it the easy way. Let's obey. Let's obey him. Let's obey his word. Let's obey his voice. You know, Isaiah 48 verse 18 says, if only you had paid attention to my commands. God's, God's kind, of, kind of pouring out his heart here and he's speaking to the unfulfilled potential of the people of Judah. He's saying, if only, if only you had paid, paid attention to my commands, if only you had obeyed me, your peace would have been like the river. Your righteousness, like the waves of the sea. And so he's lamenting a bit, God, over the heart of the people of Judah. He's saying, if only, just obey, and your peace would be like a river, but we're running around, headless chickens, trying to you know, do everything, get in, in our own wills and desire. And God said, if only. <laughs> just chuckling to himself, if only. Or actually probably more lamenting of us, because you can see our heartache. If only, if only that you obey me, your peace would be like a river. I can keep up with Come on, let's not have God say that to us. Let's not at the end of our walk with Him say, if only you have been attentive to my commands. Let's have Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were attentive to my commands and you had peace like a river. Your righteousness was like the waves. If we're continually disobedient to the word of God, the voice of God and the promptings of God, there is, there is, um, it's not rewarded. Just like disobedience in our household with our girls, it's disciplined. Disobedience has to be disciplined. And so you will never reach your true God human potential if you continue to disobey the voice of God. Psalm 119, 165, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Great, abundant, abounding, exceedingly. You have peace abounding when you love God's word. Amen. You have peace abounding and exceeding, exceeding your life. When you're obedient to his word. And nothing will make you stumble. Nothing. It actually is translated there. No idol will cause them to fall or become a stumbling block to them. No idol. Because when you love God's law, there's nothing that gives you more joy than walking in communion with him. And so even those desires or those maybe those idols that, you know, it's the idol of, um, of escape or pride or whatever it is, that doesn't give you the same joy as actually walking with the Lord in right, in right unity with Him and walking only His Word. Do you love the Word of God? Yeah, Do you amen. love it? Amen. Do you love His Word? You're obedient to it. Just as we finish this morning, I want to read to you something that, a true story that happened on October 25th, 1999. 
a twin-engine Learjet taxied down the runway in Orlando on its way to Dallas. And over Gainesville, the plane should have made a left turn and headed towards Texas. But it veered off, off course, towards South Dakota. And so repeated attempts tried to con contact the pilots were met with a deafening silence. Five fighter planes were dispatched to go up and to make visual contact. Two F-16s finally were able to pull within 50 feet of the Learjet, and the pilots reported that they were unable to see inside because its windows were iced over. The plane flew on autopilot for 1,400 miles over a period of four hours and finally crashed into a grassy field at 600 miles an hour. All six passengers were killed, the most famous being the professional golfer Payne Stewart. It was a bizarre and a tragic event. Just close your eyes with me this morning. Suppose for a moment you've been standing on the ground as that plane flew overhead in a clear autumn sky. It's travelling fast and straight, as far as you know it's a course. The reality, though, is that something was desperately wrong on the inside. It was headed for disaster. Can you relate to this analogy? To others outside, it might seem like you're soaring through life, on course, that you've got it all together, but you know that on the inside there's a crisis happening. Your inner world is chaotic, exhausting, depleted. You're on a collision course. Solomon said, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. If you could plot the trajectory of your soul, your inner life, where is it headed? If your soul stays on the path it's on, where will it be 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Where you end up is largely determined by how well you manage what's going on inside of you right now. We don't want to be dead people running. A flurry of activity and working hard, but on the inside, empty and joyless. Let's be the ones who make it to the destination, full of joy, rejoicing in our God. Pursue peace. Set your minds continually on the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Cast your anxiety, your fears on Him. And walk in obedience with His Word. Father, this morning, would you illuminate to us? <clears throat> would you show us with your hand of love? Lord, where we need to make adjustments. Would you highlight to us those thoughts that keep coming that are in contrary to your word? Would you help us deal with them, God? Not just suppress them, not just push them away, but help us to deal with them, Father. Let your healing touch and change and transform. Father, you promise us peace. And your peace is unlike anything else that we've ever experienced. It's not the world's peace, it's not the world's way of thinking. Lord, your peace, it goes beyond our understanding and cuts to the heart.
desperately need you. We desperately need you. Father, if you need to, to change our posture this morning, to reset our posture from that place of that posture of Martha, of do, 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 even if it's good things that you're doing, might be things for God. And yet, they came to the pearly gates, those ones, and said, but God, we did all these things in your name. And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus, and let, Father, when we come to you, Lord, God, let me say to us, Father, I know you. I know you. I know you, Brad. I know you, Amy. I know you, Jackie. I know you, Carol. I know you will. Come in. Well done. You're a faithful servant. God, we want to know you. We want to be known completely by you. Open the eyes of our heart. I speak your truth to us this morning. Lord, right now you're just lifting off heaviness. We're casting those things. We're casting those things out this morning. Cast the, the anxiety, cast the stress, cast the pressure, cast the burdens, cast the worry, cast whatever it is that's been troubling you, that's been filling your thought life. Cast those things right down in his presence. Say, God, this is in your court. See it as a ball in your hands. Every worry, every problem, every lack. Come on, see it as a ball in your hands this morning. And lift it up and cast that thing as far as you can. Thank you. You care so much for us, God, that we can do that. As Sarah was saying this morning, God, our only responsibility is to praise and to worship, to come like Mary did, to sit at your feet, to gaze at your beauty, to be made whole in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Restore, restore our soul in your presence here this morning. Father, there is restoration to our soul. Oh, I'm going to bring that in. God, restore your soul this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lead, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down. Come on, let the Lord lead you beside those still waters this morning. Lie down, let him sing over you. Let him love you. Just be, be so, be so happy, so content in his presence. That's where you should be. That's where he made you to be. There's nowhere else. There's nowhere else that you feel that completeness, that peace, the joy. Wash over us, Father. Thank you, Jesus.